0: And so it skipped almost a whole generation, and it's time to bring it back. And when the half-and-half uh, half space uh, became available, we kn- did uh, s- sat down with the Randolphs, and we made a deal, and now we're here. It's
1: time to bring it back. You know what's going on outside, right? I mean, there's
0: a Yeah, I've pandemic. heard some stories about that. I watched the news.
1: But yeah, is it really time to start
2: a restaurant
0: right now? I think it's what St. Louis and the world need now um you know the this is the Parkmore has always been a warm embrace it's a welcome home
1: you have to have a lot of confidence in a place to bring it to life during an economic crisis especially one brought on by a worldwide virus outbreak but confidence is exactly what restaurateur frank romano has in the Parkmore drive-in his 2020 vision of it
0: there's nothing like it in town um Our version is a more funky uh, version. You know, there's AstroTurf on the walls. There's bright pops of orange. Uh, There's actually wood instead of wood grain. Uh, You know, just creating a a welcoming feel. Um, It it just kind of felt right.
1: The revival of the St. Louis fast food spot will happen in the space in Webster Groves, formerly occupied by Half & Half. First watch before that but never a dinner or evening go-to. He's raising his family not far from Old Webster. The idea of relaunching Parkmore had jumped into his head months ago, and Frank's experience was mostly with fine dining, but when the space became available, he knew his first foray into fast casual. His opportunity to make king burgers, hot dogs, pies like the old Parkmore used to, was here.
0: Always part of the plan was that we would talk to the city and try to get some curbside pickup out front, uh, Move into delivery at one at some point, um, but now it's like the evolution of we've come like where it's the normal now. It is the way people are picking up their food. Um, it's you know pre drive-through. It was a drive-in. You drive in out front. You get your food and you drive away. Um, and if you follow the evolution of that, so you had car hops first in the '50s with technology. You had the squawk boxes that were outside. You place your order in, um, and then now you have your squawk box is your phone. It's your device that you do your mobile ordering in, and just like that, you will be able to order online or on your from your device, and we'll drop the food off right at your car up front.
1: A lot of things will be new with the new Parkmore. He's adding snowballs to the menu, for example. Those are the shaved ice treats that are a favorite in his hometown in New Orleans, and he's even working on more meatless options. Not your average diner. But Frank says he's determined to get some of the original favorites as close to original as possible. And that requires a lot of taste testing.
0: We've had a, a panel of people that have been like, okay, that's pretty close. We call this a modern interpretation of the classic American drive-in.
1: On this episode of Abby Eats St. Louis, we're taking you back to the Parkmore, more, Act 2. We'll talk with a local food historian about what made the place so special to Frank and so many other people for so long. The wild parallels between then and now and who the reboot might be best for.
3: You can't win because you can't compete with memories.
1: Plus, Dory's back for food news and your weekend planner. Even over a Zoom, I can tell Dr. Harley Hammerman is exactly the right person to have called on. Not just because his giant retro eyeglasses totally match the Parkmore vibe, but because he literally has Parkmore memorabilia peeking out from behind him.
3: Well, the Parkmore was special for a lot of people, and I think they they did a lot of things right
1: oh dr hammerman is also the right person to talk to because he's literally written the book on iconic now closed st louis restaurants it's called lost tables you can find many of the stories online too on the lost tables website and in the lost dishes community and website you can see how people are recreating favorite menu items from shuttered restaurants show your mom she'll love it the guy's a radiologist by day president of Metro Imaging, actually, but he's built himself quite a fascinating side hobby.
3: I I, I always say I don't play golf, you know, so uh, I I sit and research old restaurants and write about them.
1: And even in all of that research of different St. Louis spots, the Parkmore holds a special place in Harley's heart. Hearing the restaurant's origin story, looking back at it from where we are now, he can't help but notice some parallels. Even parallels with the light-up radio-looking Parkmore Kitsch I couldn't help but notice in Harley's background.
3: Uh, The very first one that opened in 1931, the the gentleman that opened it, a guy named William McGinley, was from Texas. And he was trying to sell a tray that he invented that sat on the window of a car uh, that the car hop brought out and served as a table. And in order for him to sell those trays, he had to sell the concept of curbside drive-in restaurants. And there weren't any in St. Louis at the time, Uh, so he decided to open his own. And he opened it at the corner in 1931 at the corner of Big Bend and Clayton, right in the middle of Washington University country. So he drew all those students from Washington University, and he drew all the high school students from University City and Clayton. And I think that led to a lot of the success. But the other thing was that he had good food, Uh, you know, it was fast food. Uh, but it was good, high-quality fast food. He made everything fresh, uh, ground his own beef, a lot of it from from cattle that he had on his ranch in in Texas, uh, and fresh-squeezed orange juice, homemade ice cream. Everything was the food was really good, and that's sort of the key in any restaurant, you know, to have good food. Uh, the the thing behind me, he opened up a bunch of other restaurants in town. He opened up. Uh, Uh, one on North Kings Highway and South Kings Highway in 1932. And in 1934, uh, he opened up one in DeBoliver. Uh, In 1950, he opened up one in Chippewa. And that's when this guy in the back started. Uh, He started with these, what he called squawk boxes, basically a two-way radio. So uh, instead of the car hop coming up and taking your order, you would press a button on this two-way radio and you could give your order and then the car hop would bring it out. And what's behind me was, was the lighted menu that he used. Uh, he started it first there um, in, in Chippewa. And then the, the final one he opened in 1956, I believe, was at uh, Manchester and uh, Lindbergh. And he had room for 80 of these uh, drive-in uh, squawk box uh, menu type things there. So uh, he, he was very innovative in a lot of ways.
1: Look at all that pivoting, all that flexibility in the business model, all those things you associate with curbside dining, the little window tray, the two-way radio, innovations of the Parkmore. While eventually they transitioned to the fast food style we're more used to today and then shuttered in large part due to those other large national fast food chains, the Parkmore was ahead of its time. And that feels particularly true right now when so many restaurants have had to exclusively move to that curbside model. Like Frank said before, instead of squawk boxes, we use our phones. But in a lot of ways, things are back to the way they were when Parkmore was in its prime. Harley didn't find this irony as thrilling as I do.
3: It is interesting that it sort of fits, although, you know, it's kind of, that's the opening of a new restaurant in the middle of a pandemic when lots of restaurants are failing. And plus, he's not going to have the PPP money that a lot of them are surviving on. But it, it'll be interesting to see how he does. I, I I think from what I read, I've not talked to him yet. Uh, he's he's doing it right.
1: You know when you go to the fair as a kid, the whirling rides, the lights, the smell of sweet-fried nothings lingering in the air? Everything feels so magical. Then you go back as an adult, and you literally can't stomach much of any of it anymore. It's just not the experience you knew and loved. Frank told me that's the toughest thing about opening a restaurant based so much on nostalgia. If it's not exactly the way you remember it, it's just wrong. That's why he likes to clarify. New Parkmore pays tribute to the old Parkmore. It doesn't try to be something it will never be. And Harley says that's the way you have to do it.
3: He's, he's not duplicating Parkmore. He's sort of paying homage to Parkmore. Uh, if you try to du- duplicate it, uh, you can't win because you can't compete with memories. And no matter how perfect he, he makes that onion ring compared to what it used to be, it's not going to be how I remember it. And even if it is how I remember it, it's not going to be how you remember it. So what he's got to do is really make a great onion ring that's going to keep us all coming back and just use the memories to get us there. You'll go and you'll taste the king burger or the onion rings and hopefully they'll be the the greatest thing ever and and you won't have the memories to compare it to. So you're actually better off than I am because you know I've got to compare them and uh, you know all the the people that have never been there and that's most people uh, these days because uh, they'll 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 taste it all fresh and they'll taste it all new and. and That'll be a good thing.
1: Harley's not just a fan of old restaurants, though. He likes trying the new places around town, too. He's a foodie. So during a time when so many of our new favorites that maybe haven't reached Parkmore status but are still critically important in our neighborhoods are really struggling, is there a spot for this drive-in? Harley says emphatically, yes.
3: If you ask any restaurateur if, if they want a restaurant opening up next door to them, they'll say Yes. Uh, competition is good. And I think that uh, competition just, just makes the whole restaurant scene better in St. Louis and whether it's something like the Parkmore more that, that brings back nostalgia uh, or whether it's some brand new concept, I think that's, that's good for the St. Louis dining scene. And, you know, particularly today, you know, while on the one hand, you know, he may have, you know, it's going to be hard for him potentially to make this work because of what's going on. On the other hand, you know, the, the restaurant scene needs a jolt needs a boost because of what's going on. And, uh, you know, everything we can do to help the restaurants seem, you know, the more the better.
1: So we have good news to report. In the last week or so, the Parkmore has made big strides, and now they're actually preparing to open this week for their first customers in their second iteration, this week being the week of July. It's July 8th right now as we're recording this, so by the time you guys hear this, the park more will be open and ready for business. I'm joined now by producer Dory. She's back after her week of vacation that oh my I gosh. had wrong in my calendar. But
2: that's, okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Yep.
1: All Happy of, to be back. Yes. All sorts of dates are all over the place. This was um, a little bit earlier than they were anticipating. A lot of times restaurants, especially as they're first building things out, want to wait for a little while before they actually announce a full opening date. Um, When I was there just last week, they said they wanted to make sure they were open in time for July 15th, which would have been the 89th anniversary of the original parkour. Right. It would have been really serendipitous. But you know what? The fact that they will be up and running fully functional, really um, as fully functional as you can be this day and age by that anniversary, I think it will be pretty cool. So I'm excited about that one.
2: It's nice because we get to hear about it and we don't have to wait that long to go and try it out. Like we can go out there tonight.
1: Dory, I'm really glad you're back because wrangling food news is what (laughs) you are so good at doing. So what do we got?
2: Yes. So we're in a little bit of a heat wave right now. And what is the perfect thing for a heat wave? Another St. Louis legend. Another St. Louis legend, Ted Drew's, they're reopening their South Grand location, um, Actually, just opened this past Monday. So you can go ahead, and head out there, get your favorites. Um, the other location on Chippewa has been open for a couple of weeks now, but the South Brand one is back open after closing over the winter and then having some setbacks due to the coronavirus
1: pandemic. It's funny because when was it? A couple of weeks ago, my cousin sent me um, a pic- or text message and said, Is it true that Ted Drew's is closing forever? I was like, first first off, I was like, there's no way St. Louis would let that happen. There's no no way. And so, but then, you know, I asked her where she was seeing that. And so she sent me a screenshot of an Instagram post And it was from early March when everybody, or a lot of people said we're closing, quote, unquote, indefinitely because we had no end date for things. And we've seen a lot of places having to open and close and open and close or, you know, kind of tiptoe out into being reopened and then pull back a little bit or make some different adjustments. Um, So I just first off, I got to give her a nice little lesson in discerning information. (laughs) I said, look at when that was posted. It is now months later. Like mm-hmm. double check to see where, you know, check their Instagram page. But exactly. Second, it's a nice reminder, too, that um, one of the things that I has become part of my routine before ordering from a place or, you know, doing curbside pickup or whatever has been checking their Instagram page. Um, I j- a lot of times restaurants have very minimal or very sleek or, um, or especially if it's an older restaurant or more family owned, their websites haven't been built out as much as mm-hmm. those of us who are working from home now are used to with all the technology and, you know, we want everything to be super web savvy. But um, just wanted to mention that if you have not gone through and added a bunch of restaurants or all the restaurants you're interested in going to, to your Instagram feed yet, I recommend doing that. Um, And that's a great way to keep up with what their latest, um, is what, if they have different menu that day or anything like that. And a good place to start too is just check out the Abby eats Instagram and see the accounts that we follow. It's definitely a good starting ground. We try to follow the classics, the new ones, maybe you haven't heard of too. Um, and no matter where they are they, it seems like Instagram has been a high priority thing for a lot of these restaurants to keep people posted. And it's a really helpful tool. So just wanted yes. to, uh, mention that here as well, because things are constantly changing.
2: And I will say that I have ordered through restaurants on Instagram probably more than I've gone to their websites during all of this.
1: Like
2: 100%. ICEs, Plain and Fancy's just on the Street Meet from me. I go to their Instagram constantly to see when they're open, what specials they're holding right now. Perfect place to go. And most of them have a link to their online ordering straight through their Instagram page. So Super easy to kind of see what's new and happening with all the places around here.
1: It's very fun. And so, because there's always something updated or something updated to know about who's open, who's closed, um, we do have a couple updates on that front to let you guys know about this week, too.
2: Yeah. So, a closure coming out of the coronavirus pandemic, the Shrine Restaurant and Banquet Center has closed. This was inside the Visitor Center at the National Shrine of Our Lady of the Snows. This is the place. That's popular with the Way of Lights Christmas display. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure a lot of people in the St. Louis area have been there, um, have probably eaten at this restaurant, Banquet Center. Um, They've been open for more than 50 years, and they're closing down. Yeah, they actually reopened, I think, a couple weeks ago. When they were allowed to, uh, again in Illinois, when Illinois loosened those restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they just managed and cited the impact from the coronavirus pandemic that they having, they're having to close. So something we have to say goodbye
1: to, you know, there was a lot of money that went out into the world, into small businesses to try to offset some of these, um, impacts whether Sometimes places didn't get it, and sometimes it just wasn't enough. Um, sometimes it just lined up with a, another moment of things going not exactly the way that you'd want them to anyway, and so um, it's sad to see another restaurant um, has closed, but hopefully it's a good new chapter for the folks who are kind of running that place, and hopefully people who, who still head out there for the Way of Light's Christmas display in that area can explore some new restaurants in Belleville.
2: Yes, there you go. Um, And some updates from what you guys reported last week. Mm -hmm. Midwestern, Star Bar, Wheelhouse are going to be reopening this week after closing due to some coronavirus concerns. Um, I believe they said they hired and cleaned and did a deep, thorough cleaning of the spaces to make sure everything would be good to go. Uh, Midwestern and Star Bar are reopening Thursday. Wheelhouse is reopening Friday. Uh, This is great news for downtown as we get ready to welcome baseball back into our lives a little
1: bit. Yeah, baseball, as much baseball as we can. I love it. (laughs) I love you wearing that. You're wearing a St. Louis flag shirt right now, I can see, over FaceTime, and I've got my Cardinals
2: Shirt yeah. on too.
1: it's like this is normally the uniform in summer in st louis and uh it's been weird but i'm excited for that all to happen now i do want to also mention um you know reminder that mask wearing is now required in st louis city and st louis county of course it's very difficult i have i have tried drinking under a mask like with a straw it kind of defeats the purpose. that's hard <laughs> yeah, not in public luckily i was in my own house so nobody saw me looking dumb but um the the thing is yes you will need to probably remove your mask when you are eating and drinking out at these places but um i know that a lot of these places that have to close temporarily are big favorites somewhere that people were excited to have back in their lives and so just make sure you're being respectful of the rules not only in saint louis city and county but of the rules of the establishment where you are are and you're being respectful of the staff that's putting their safety on the line to come back and serve you. And just wear your mask whenever you can. Um, be respectful of social distancing and don't get so drunk that you forget what all the rules are <laughs> supposed to be. Um, yes. So we want to keep getting nice things back. So don't abuse them, St. Louis. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yes. Uh, we actually went to the Tower Grove Farmers Market last night and it was, you know, in a park where it's nice and big and spacious. Mm-hmm. Um, but even there they had signs posted saying, please don't eat your food and drinks that you're buying here in the food area. Take them to a, an area like outside of the, the food truck and, um, the, where everybody else is gathered there, all the vendors there. So, so we got a nice cocktail and respectfully went over to a, a shaded area cause it was so hot outside, um, took our masks off and drank the cocktails away from everybody. So it, it is possible to do that in a respectful way that's safe for everybody around you.
1: Yeah. And all of this being said, we understand that everybody copes with this differently, but I think that we, the very least you can do is be respectful of the people who are, um, maybe a little bit more, I don't want to say skittish, but, or taking it more seriously because everybody's taking it their own level of seriousness, but just be respectful of those who might require a little bit more, um, than you do right now in all of this. So Um, some sad news, another update from something we talked about last week.
2: Yeah. Um, this one hit the St. Louis restaurant community pretty hard. Charlie Gito has passed away. He had a heart attack, um, earlier this month. He was 87 years old, just a few days short of his 88th birthday. Um, when looking around for this story, there was something that Frank, our Frank Cusimano said that, uh, really hit close and I think would speak for a lot of St. Louisans. He Mm -hmm. said, Charlie Gito is one of the great restaurateurs we've ever had in our town. More importantly, one of the great people. Nobody told a story better than Charlie. And that is saying something from Frank Cusimano. Oh, he, he is a great storyteller himself, but... From one restaurant family to another, they're mourning the loss of a
1: great in our town. Absolutely. And again, you know, as we were kind of talking about last week when Jordan stepped in to um, help out was about the fact that this, I mean, since 1978, Charlie Gito has been a name that is just really well known in St. Louis um, and also for visitors to St. Louis, celebrities always stopping by, um, you know, the Stanley Cup making a stop there last summer. Um, It's just and you, wait, I actually didn't realize this that Pat Maroon's fiance is a granddaughter of Charlie Gito.
2: Yeah, so that's why it was there. That's why the Stanley Cup was there. Yeah. Amazing. that That family is so deep in St. Louis, you yeah. know, more I than you shed, probably that's ever so realized. St.
1: Louis. <laughs> yes. For real, with that one. Yeah. So, well, um, you know, he's being laid to rest this week. And I think a lot of, like you said, a lot of restaurateurs in St. Louis would owe, um, owe something to him for creating the type of environment that, um, was able we were able to build a pretty cool food town on top of so dory on a completely different note sometimes there's just not really a good transition to be made from one thing to another but on a completely different note what's the best thing you've had to eat this week
2: you know what i had to think about this one and pick and choose which is a good thing i had a lot of good things this past week and a lot of good reasons to to celebrate some good food in my life um but i'm gonna go with something i picked up at the tower grove farmer's market yesterday i got some honey ice cream in a lemon flavor. It is like a taste of sunshine and summer. It was so, yeah, it was very good. It was creamy and smooth, almost like custard, but it doesn't have eggs in it. Um, I wonder if the honey kind of makes it smoother or something. I don't know, but it was delicious. Doesn't matter how it was made. Um, my husband got an orange flavor, loved it. So it tasted like a dreamsicle. Um, if people want to check them out, I've got their website pulled up here. They're called the honey ice cream people, the honey ice cream is their website. So you can check them out. They've got about a couple dozen flavors and they were at the tower Grove farmer's market this week. So I'm sure they're at a bunch of other markets in the area as well. That's fascinating. I
1: never realized you could make ice cream with like honey being a main ingredient ingredient. Yeah.
2: And it, it doesn't have an overwhelming honey flavor. I think it's just sweetened with honey. And they have all kinds of flavors too, chocolate, peanut butter cup, and coffee buzz, and mint chip. Ooh, elderberry too. That one would be good.
1: All right, yeah. I'm having ice cream for lunch. <laughs> that settles it. That's what I've got to get for lunch. It's too hot today to have anything but. So exactly. <laughs> well,
2: so what was uh, what was the best thing you had?
1: Yeah. So it's funny because. I'm going to say this for the third week in a row, but I should never record or write or do anything related to this podcast on an empty stomach. And last week, um, Jordan was talking about some pho he had gotten and it had me craving like Vietnamese food. So I tried a couple times to get it and I wound up getting something else um, or, you know, just kind of. I don't know. I it, Finally, last night, I was able to get some Vietnamese. I didn't get pho because it seems a little hot, um, but I went to Little Saigon and ordered the rice flour crepes, which if you've never had Vietnamese like crepes before, they're totally different than the type of crepes you would get that you kind of are used to with Nutella and strawberries or something like that. Or even, um, if you go to like the city crepery in Clayton and get a crepe there, it's, it's very different. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but the only thing that is recognizable about it is that it's kind of a long, thin pancake like structure. Yes. Um, but it's kind of, it, it kind of looks like a big giant scrambled egg, um, but it's crispier and it has like, you know, veggies, greens, bean sprouts, uh, mine had beef and shrimp on the inside of it. And then you have that kind of that sauce that I really should learn the pronunciation of, but I'm not going to try right now. But it's basically <laughs> that kind of orange sauce that's like sweet and sour a little bit. And you put okay. that that's more like an oil than a sauce and you, oh my gosh, I was I, oh so good. I just like devoured it. It was delicious. I was like, I, things, I love being able to live in a town where I can crave Vietnamese food and just like go get some good Vietnamese food for dollars yes. and just have it at my house. It was so good. Where was it from again? Little Saigon. Okay. Yes. Mm, is, I'm going to have to um, try that. Close to Barnes. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. And they're doing all the curbside stuff. Real easy order online. I recommend it. I'm going to have to try that. So something else that we both are talking about having to try is Nine Mile Garden. They officially opened last weekend for various other plans. Neither one of us were able to make it during opening weekend. But I'm like, we have to go soon. We need to go. Yes. I'm so excited about this. I mean, we've mentioned it so many times on this podcast, but, um, you know, they had their grand opening weekend. This weekend, though, they are fully up and running Uh, on saturday they're going to have their outdoor movies really kicking off um jurassic park and star wars return of the jedi and the karate kid are among their early lineups uh jurassic park this weekend which is such a funny thing to like i love it. (laughs) (laughs) it sounds good um and just as a reminder i mean this is like a big two-acre space where you can picnic, you can bring your own chairs, all their tables are spaced out. They have a, The movie screen, by the way, it's not just some little movie screen that you're going to kind of be watching like you're at a bar. It's a 26-foot wide screen, like almost Kids. like a drive-in. Yeah, and then they're mm-hmm. going to be doing the rotation of food trucks, and so another thing like following their Instagram kind of helps you figure out who you're going to have, who they're going to have in a given week, but they've, yeah, cause different- they've been having, sorry, they, they oh, yeah.
2: besides the rotation of food trucks, they've been having some live music too. So yes. keep an eye out for that.
1: Yes. They, they do a good job of keeping on top of like what all you can expect. But the nice thing is I plan on when I try to go there, which I'm just going to not even look at the Instagram and just say, Okay, who's going? I don't care. I want to stumble into something new and different. I am glad I checked their Instagram on Monday though, when I was about to go for dinner, and realized it was not—they were not doing dinner service on Monday. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad I checked because it saved me a drive where I would exactly there and been hungry and disappointed. So I'm excited exactly. to try that over this weekend too. So it's July though. Um, I mean, we had a lot of different weekend events last weekend, but we know that. There are certain things happening that are slowly getting back started again. Just a reminder, things like weekends at forehand. Um, we talked a lot about that in our episode last weekend. Just wherever you venture out, um, just have fun. Let us know what you wind up getting into. And we love to hear it because sitting in our homes and doing this, I would love to be in a restaurant recording or in the podcast booth recording again. But this yes. sure, beats, sure beats nothing, I think. Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, la, la. Oulala <t'es> Abby Eats St. Louis is a five on your side production. Thank you guys for joining us again this week. I'm Abby Larico, And I'm Dory Olmos. Our theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. Thanks again to Jordan Palmer for stepping in last week. And then thanks again for Jordan Palmer for not giving two weeks to Dory because I'm I'm (laughs) glad to have her back this week. I'm surprised
2: he didn't come back and try to kick me off this week, but he's on vacation (laughs) this week. So I think that's why. (laughs) Yes.
1: I have, Feeling he's gonna step up all the time now. He likes it. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to our podcast so it goes right into your feed every single week. And we would love to see a rating and a review as well. And as we, you know, work on covering the different stories that matter to you all, make sure you're letting us know about the stories that matter to you all. So reach out to us on Instagram, we're at AbbyEats Louis. We're also on email podcasts at ksdk.com we love hearing from you have a great second very warm weekend of july and seize the plate